0: What is going on, guys? Welcome, welcome back. I hope everybody had a great holiday break, spend some time with your friends, family, realistically knowing all of us in front of the TV watching sports with money on the line if we know what's good for us. I know I did a lot of that. I know Maddie did a lot of that. Um, Enjoyed a break. We were just talking here before we went live. It is so nice to be back so we can touch base with all you guys and a pretty good card this week at the UFC apex for UFC a Vegas 84. We've seen far worse at the apex. So vibes are good. My friend, the, the man, the myth, the legend, the long shot legend, I should say, Maddie Tanner stumbling right out of the gate here. Mm. Welcome back. How you doing today? My friend,
1: dude, it could be the worst card ever. And I'd be, I'd just be pumped that, that USC back, honestly. So no complaints for me. There's probably about Four to five good fights on this card that I'm actually excited to see. I think yeah. it's like a B minus type of card. So I'm 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 pumped, bro! It's finally back. It was been three was it three weeks?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Four three weeks? No, off? it might have been three. It might have been three. A, eh? I kind of lost t- track of time, three especially four? between the holidays. But like you know, I I always like this type of card because yeah. it is a new year. You start the counter. You twenty twenty four year to date. You have a fresh year in front of you. And by the way, twenty twenty three was my worst betting year of UFC ever since I've been doing this for years and years and years now. So I was excited to turn the page. I couldn't get anything right. It felt like I had you and I talked numerous amount of times. Things that were very close didn't end up breaking our way. Hopefully, twenty twenty four is a super super lucky. A year, yeah. So, why don't we dive right in, on? In, bro.
1: This is the yeah.
0: Why don't we drive the, dive right on in here? We'll start breaking down the fights because, um, one of the best prospects, maybe in all of UFC, decided to come off the couch and save this first fight up on the card. And we're very happy he did because I think we're happy to talk about him again. That is Mr. Josh Van at just 22 years old. He's going to step in and take on Felipe Bunis. I believe that's the pronunciation, making his UFC debut. I have been looking for it, haven't found it, but. Um, Felipe Bunis was originally scheduled to fight Dennis Bondar. Now Josh Van steps in on short notice. Josh is a pretty heavy sized favorite. I'd say definitely in that above average category. Um, what are you thinking about Josh or Felipe or this first fight on the card in general, my guy?
1: Yeah, no, I mean I mean, look, coming in on short notice and he's a minus two fifty favorite. Yeah, uh, that's pretty telling right there. I mean, you know, 87% takedown defense. Nine point two strikes landed per minute. Like I like Josh Van, man. I, I like watching his fights. I think he's solid. I think if he keeps this fight on the feet, I could see him edging out of the decision uh pretty easily here. But uh I think it's a, a good start to the card for sure.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I totally agree. I, I think it's kind of crazy how good he is for being so young. Like we know the holes and the things that he doesn't do well are going to be there. It's interesting that he made the decision to come in and take this fight on short notice, because what we really haven't seen against van to this point is a really, really dangerous submission guy. Felipe Bunis at least could be here in UFC eight of his 13 pro wins via submission um like you said i when i look at striking numbers when i look at striking efficiency josh van averaging over 18 significant strikes a minute landing over half of them wildly impressive and some of the body work he did in that fight against kevin vallejos really really telling as far as like the advanced technical ability he has as a boxer so um i'm on the same page here what what kind of makes you decision i he doesn't have a ufc knock. Dot knocked down yet. I don't really know much about Bunitz's striking. I was just wondering if maybe you did. Yeah.
1: No, I haven't watched enough footage on him. Um, but based on what I've seen off of Van, I mean, I just like his volume, but I think he's okay power on the feet, but nothing crazy. Like you said, no knockdowns and right. his two UFC fights. And um that first fight with that split decision was it was a really close fight, but then his last mm-hmm. fight was pretty overwhelming. I mean, 156 strikes to 75 in his <laughs> last fight, and that was back in that was that was November 11th. Yeah, um, he's uh, 11 years younger. 11 years younger. That's that's pretty crazy. 11 years
0: uh, age difference here. 11 or 12. Yeah, like you know, I, I think at this point Van doesn't even have like his grown man strength at this point at 22. So probably not a lot of power relative to UFC. Some some interesting things that I looked at when. You look at Bunus's resume, it's not exactly, like, the strongest coming in. He's actually lost four of his last seven fights. Like, he has won three in a uh, I believe, three in a row to get here. He lost to UCA Formiga, um, former UFC guy here in this flyweight division uh, regionally. Um, last fight was an impressive knockout in the first round, but I think I've told you this before. I'd almost rather see, like, length. I, I like what I've seen from Van because I have this larger sample of data of him excelling in the striking department. Anybody can get lucky with a yeah. knockout and Van has a 63% striking defense hasn't really shown to get wobbled by any sort of punch so far. I I kind of am leaning right. Van by decision with you and I just don't think I just don't think that Bynus has like super super high level submission skills to a point where Van is in danger. Now interestingly enough this number was minus 250 yesterday it's now minus 235 as we say here live on FanDuel. Okay. So a little bit of money going Bynus's way. Um, it's not mine. I have a strong lean on this fight at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there.
1: I want to see that, what that decision prop looks like though, for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, move we'll, on. If we can get a good number on it so we'll move on to the next fight couple of dana white contender series debut uh debuts on this card from last season last summer that maddie and i donated to this is one of them australia's tom nolan coming in at 23 years old explosive violent knockout i think it was the first knockout on the contender series all of last season dana white called him a straight-up killer I tend to agree based on what we saw taking on Nicholas Mota here and Nicholas Mota made you and I very, very unhappy. There was that refereeing situation against Trey Ogden where Ogden very clearly was sinking in a submission. The referee jumped the gun for no reason up getting a rule to no contest. But we saw what happened with our eyeballs there. Mota loses. He's trying to get back on the horse at the end of the day here against Tom Nolan. Do you think he will, as a modest underdog? He is the one with experience here, but um, we'll dive into this one and see what's going on.
1: Yeah, bro, I, I can't believe that that Nicholas Mota fight uh, against Trey Ogden. Like, I'll I'll never forget that because I had I had uh, Ogden late. I think it was a late, sub- and I had the double chance by sub decision. I think it was, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. But that was just such a sick beat. Like I agree, the ref made a mistake and he he didn't he didn't tap, but he was on his way to, you know, and like that was just such a brutal beat for, for Ogden there. But no, nah, I mean I think Tom Nolan's legit. Like he's massive, bro. He's six foot three, 76 inch reach advantage. You know, kind of like a kind of reminds Jay you of Lee like Lee. a Dan Hooker almost. You know, Dan yeah. Dan Hooker, Jalen well, well, there you go, Dan Hooker versus Jalen Turner, and that that was a an absolute war. So But, no, I think he's a good favorite here. Um, I think he can finish Nicholas Mata. I'm not very high on him. Um, I know he's the experience factor. This almost reminds me, what was the fight? Uh, The Cody Brundage versus, uh, who was it, just
0: recently, last year? Zach Reese. Zach Reese.
1: Zach Reese, right? It kind of gives you that type of vibe where, like, you're getting kind of like a, a middle guy and, like, has the experience and he's fighting the prospect coming up. But yeah. I think he I think he gets his done inside the distance here. I, I don't think we're going to see a fraud check there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I think if anybody might be a little bit fraudulent, it might be Moda. I we talked about it before the Ogden fight. He uh, his only UFC win at this point came against Cameron Van Camp who Fialio knocked out as well, not really a UFC caliber guy. The no, Ogden result terrible. was, was the Ogden result was lopsided regardless of what the box source said with a no decision. And then you look at Moda's other fights, knocked out by Jim Miller, knocked out by Eduardo Torres. And I genuinely don't think he's got like a a horrible chin. Like a lot of those guys have power. Maybe Jim Miller's the concerning ones of their... Um, but, like at the end of the day, this guy has a negative 1.96 striking success rate, which, again, brand new show. If you're joining us for the first time, is something that I reference a lot. It is significant strikes out minus significant strikes in. It is quite literally that simple. It's like a per minute indicator of damage. Moda at negative 1.96 means he's taking a lot more damage than he's giving. And he's not really a good grappler at all. The takedown defense at 82% is fine, but we saw white belt mistakes on the ground against Ogden. We really haven't seen a lot of Nolan's grappling either regionally. He's just been knocking dudes out. So like, um, I don't know what he brings in that department, but I think he is such a heavy favorite here. He has all the athletic tools, has the power, had the efficiency on the contender series. Like this to me feels like a prop up spot for him at Moda's expense as he's probably on his way out. But um, like you said, that Reese Brundage fight, I kind of thought the same thing. But there were differences where Reese had a very poor striking defense in his short contender appearance. Tom Nolan at least passed well, above 50% both striking accuracy and defense. So I I tend to feel that he's a much stronger prospect than Reese in this weight class as well.
1: Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I'm feeling a round two finish for Tom Nolan.
0: Round two, interesting. I, 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 UFC debut, always a little hesitant. There's actually another fight on this card we're going to talk about. Like, I think a system that I'm going to try to test out and track a little bit this year is both two fighters coming off of knockouts, UFC debut, see if we can extend some of those totals. Because in general, people like to bet violence. They like to bet round one, they like to bet unders. That's probably if we're value betting, we are t- going to try to look for decision props. I think that might be a good spot by you, by you, Maddie.
1: Yeah, do you think? I mean, do you think Nicholas Mata comes out and shoots a takedown early?
0: No, I just uh, grappling wise, I haven't he hasn't attempted to take down in the UFC. His regional footage showed that as well, by the way. That's actually why I was on Eduardo Torres a couple fights ago, is that I thought Torres had the grappling upside. Um, Moda's not a grappler at all. This is I this is striker versus striker on paper, and I think no one is a lot, lot better at that.
1: Agreed completely. All right, let's move on to the next one here.
0: Am I lagging at all for you? I just I wanted to ask. I didn't know if we had some. Internet I think it's. Issues.
1: I think it's me. Yeah, I think it's me, bro. Oh,
0: okay, I'm getting brad to fix it wait. now. Hopefully. Oh okay, I was just wondering because I'm I'm having an in and out internet connection. I'd never have a good relationship with Comcast, so it's always possible that it is my fault. But we'll move on to this next fight here. Actually, I have the largest favorite up on the card. John Silva taking on Weston Wilson. We said this is John Silva's official debut comes in off the contender series gets a pretty nice decision win over Kevin Vallejo's pretty violent fight. I was on Vallejo's on the other side. So I lost money betting against John Silva on the contender series, which will always make you remember a guy. It was a pretty sturdy performance. And then on the other side here, poor Weston Wilson was fed to Joe Anderson burrito in his UFC debut. That went predictably poorly. So now we'll see re-rack, see how he does in another appearance against pretty much his debut as well. I would sooner call this a debut on debut fight. Um, John is the largest favorite on the card. Not only was he minus 770 when we pulled these yesterday, he's minus 900 now on FanDuel. So he's getting steamed up there into prohibitive territory um no thanks for me as far as a money line bet on such a st- steep number on a newcomer but um any thoughts about silva wilson anything going on in this fight because i don't have a, a whole lot i don't think
1: yeah i don't either i just have a few notes uh wilson 69 percent sub rate trains a wonder boy thompson that's good he i think he had joe and burrito hurt right
0: uh, I thought it was a sub attempt. didn't you ha- didn't he have a sub attempt that was decently close in that fight? if I remember from watching the tape?
1: yeah, I, I gotta go back and watch that one. But yeah. I'm surprised this number steamed up to minus nine hundred though,
0: yeah. I just think the problem with Wilson is that I look at his competition. It is below even what you usually see from like a UFC type of prospect. You look at um Wilson's previous competition. It didn't really offer much, much resistance. He actually had his last three fights before he got to UFC had a below 500 professional record regionally. He did get the call because of his connection to wonder boy and look at his physical tools for this division, six foot one, big, big frame at featherweight, 73 inch reach. Um, and, and like the thing about it is when you see a line this wide, you've got to assume that there are physical advantages that the other fighter is not going to overcome and John Silva just really didn't overwhelm Kevin Vallejos at all. Vallejos only 21. There, neither fighter was really in jeopardy of going out in that one. It was a competitive fight, but Silva didn't appear to have a ton of power. He does have some submission stuff on his record, but like I don't have a lot to grab onto here, Matty, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I want to see what that submission prop pays. I got I to find out. Real uh, quick.
0: Wilson or uh, or John Silva? Wilson. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting through it. Mean, this is why I don't model newcomer fights is because he, at this point he averages 10.3 attempts per 15 minutes. Cause he got one in the brief period that he was in there. But like Joe Anderson Brito is a killer. We, you and I were waffling back and forth on him against Jonathan Pierce. He beat Diego Lopez. Like a lopsided result. There does not disqualify someone from being a UFC. It, it does not disqualify someone from being like a UFC fighter. And like, I feel like the the square thing that a lot of people do, they'll throw Silva in there as a prohibitive minus 900 favorite just to get a little extra juice on a parlay. I couldn't caution against that as much. Maybe he wins comfortably, but we didn't really learn a whole lot from him on the contender series. Just a plus 1.07 striking success rate. That wasn't dominant. Very average efficiency metrics against a guy we don't even know is UFC caliber. Landed one of three takedowns. There's just not a lot of special here. And at this price, I would want special.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Wilson by submissions, plus 1,100. And then wow. Silva by submissions, plus
0: 2.75. Does Silva have a... let me t- The one thing I don't remember checking is if he had any uh, weaknesses with submissions regionally. He's never lost by submission regionally, has a pair of them. Last one coming in 2021 via guillotine choke. So... Not a I, I could conceivably see Wilson having an advantage in the submission department here, and you don't really want an advantage in any of the key departments if you're going to lay minus nine hundred. Wilson now coming <laughs> back at plus five twenty, right? So um right. I, maybe it I, maybe that long shot dart on Wilson is all that it is. I think in lineup formats like what I do and what I talk about on my podcast where John Silva is a potential guy, you fit into a fantasy lineup, you wait you may have to consider it, but. Will, the thing about Wilson that is so discouraging for me, didn't defend the burrito takedown, just a 26% striking defense. That was what a lot of guys that I talked to that do film analysis, he's very hittable on the feet, and that's the concern against a guy in Silva that, you know, at least looks like he should theoretically have power. I, I, I That Vallejos fight was kind of a, a a weird trip for me is what it felt like just because it felt like Vallejos just kind of wasn't there, present in the moment, maybe some jitters or something. Um where he was having success. and he just wasn't very aggressive, but, um, I I'm I'm rambling a lot here. I think just cause I don't have a lot to say on this fight.
1: Yeah, no, no. It's all, it's all good insight for sure. Um,
0: it's so wide we'll, fight. let's we'll, move on we'll, to the next we'll, one here. We'll move on. I, I do feel better about this next one because we have got a, uh, I don't know if yeah, I, one, I, one second. I, okay, cool. We We've go. got a, We got a Basharat bro in the next fight up on the card. And so far, if you've clicked the name Basharat on FanDuel Sportsbook, you are seven for seven. Him and his brother Javid Fareed and Javid Basharat have won all seven appearances, of course. The, The exception was a no contest that voided out against Victor Henry with that weird nut shot, like where the opponent, where the doctor was saying that Victor Henry was fine and he proceeded to throw up continuously backstage, so... I, I don't think he was fine. Believe it or not, that's not the first Abu Dhabi refereeing mistake that I will reference on the show today. Uh, we'll have another one coming up later, but Farid, brother here is back at the apex taking on Taylor Lapolis, who comes back for a second stint in UFC home country of Paris and France gets a big win over Calvin Lawren, the the Irish guy who is kind of playing the heel, saying French MMA sucks. If I get on top of Lapolis, I'll finish him and all that. And Lapolis delivered the performance there in his home country. So, um I actually think this is a really really interesting fight. Basharat coming back at minus 295. Um you have a strong take on on this guy or um any one of these guys that you're looking at maybe that has a higher ceiling in UFC than the other?
1: Yeah, I mean initial read was Basharat double chance, uh sub decision. Maybe bring that juice down some, but uh the sub alone is plus 400, the decision minus 150. Yeah. Um And then Lapilus by decisions plus 450 by knockouts plus 700.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I just, it is a, it is a very peculiar I- idea of betting against a boss rod because both of them have sparkling analytical profiles. Like they don't really do anything poorly. 63% striking accuracy for Fareed, 58% striking defense for Farid. Both of those very good marks at 135 um 83% takedown defense mixes in his own wrestling well um i i actually think this is going to be a really high level fight taylor lapetus now 4 and 1 in ufc through two two appearances i would say the competition here is actually pretty equal coming into this you look at these guys last few fights um uh farid basharat comes in he got i think he was the one that fought mateus Mid no, he fought Cledson. I, I got that wrong. He submitted Cledson Rodriguez, who came up from flyweight. Uh also had the win over Damon Blackshear shear that is aged pretty well. That Farid mm-hmm. Basharat has. We got a question in chat, Maddie. Uh, who is better Farid or Javid? I have no idea. <laughs> um, like we haven't yeah. really seen either of them vulnerable at this point to know where one might slip up it's like they're like the anti Bonfim brothers where we've now seen the limitations of ishmael and gabriel these guys really haven't made any mistakes yet at this point but i, I gotta be honest with you i didn't model this guy because it, i just think i'm gonna give it, get a bad result but i could have based on my 45 minutes of octagon barrier i'm guessing it would have given me betting value on taylor lapolis and i'm kind of interested lapolis 62 percent striking defense is higher 81% takedown defense is right in the same ballpark. Like the difference is, is that Boschrat is historically more efficient, but Lapolis will also have two inches in reach here. The level of competition and how it translates is difficult though. Like Calvin Loughran, a lot of people were high on him entering his UFC debut, but then Lapalus, it still beats a newcomer. It's, it's hard to gauge the level of competition here. But when I look at this fight on paper, I actually think it's going to going to be pretty close. I actually like Farid by decision if you're going to go for him. I think this one is most likely headed the distance and um do you have a a total on this fight yet that's come out cuz we don't have any totals on FanDuel Sports. Yeah,
1: yet. so the the fight to go the distance minus 220.
0: I think so. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I'm thinking just because Lapalus never finished in UFC elite defense numbers like I feel like Farid ITD might be the parlay squasher this week and this is a number I'm watching very carefully I it's just something that I noticed last year and I the fight I noticed it on was Puna Soriano and Dustin Stoltzfus FanDuel does not directly give splits numbers to me or anybody else like like publicly I I don't have access to where the money is moving on FanDuel but I check other money sites and like for instance that Puna Soriano against Stoltzfus fight 95% of the tickets, 95% of the handle was coming in on Puna. That line did not budge, and no one could figure out why, and then Stoltzfus ended up dominating in bell to bell. Basharad is getting a lot of the action, according to other sources here, and this line has not budged since it opened when these guys were announced fighting. That is really interesting to me when Lapos has a lot more experience. He's got these elite efficiency numbers I'm talking about. This fight's going to be close, in my opinion. I would not want to be sweating out his money line here.
1: Yeah, so you ready for this one? Yeah. Lapalus by split or majority decision plus
0: 900. I love it. What's uh <laughs> does Boshra have a split majority decision prop?
1: Boshra by split decision plus 700.
0: I think that's a really good way to value back him here because it's, if this is going the distance, chances are Lapalus, the bot, the thing about the Boshra guys, they have a hard time separating. Like we didn't know how good Damon Blackshear was when he fought for Reed. But that was actually a really close fight. And we were kind of wondering if that was more about Fareed. Is he a little bit of a fraud? Is it Demon? And we ended up figuring out Blackshear is pretty special in his own right. Yeah. Um, but like I, I think Lapoulos is too. I'm, I was very impressed. I was backing Lawfriend in his debut because I, I expected a power disadvantage and I got the opposite result. Taylor was the guy that was landing the shots with more steam. Cowan really couldn't get anything going. So I, I kind of like Lapoulos at plus 220. Again, not a huge like specific lean. And and if you're new to the show, you're not going to hear anything by way of film analysis hardly out of me. It's not really my specialty. I may not be the best guy to tell you what Farid does better. I just look at the analytics and I look at Lapolis and I see a guy that's probably undervalued at plus 220.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely fair. Let's see what happens to that, that number the next few days.
0: I got, yeah, definitely a number I want to watch. And it, something interesting happened with the number in this next fight up on the card, Maddie. It's a fight I've yeah. seen we we next already referenced up. in our chat. Marcus McGee, the maniac, guy that I've cashed a couple times in on UFC already. This will be his third UFC appearance. Love his gym down in Phoenix, the MMA lab, training with Sean O'Malley. Mario Bautista will we'll get to the gym with Mario later as well. Taking on Gaston Bologna's. Um It heads up to those that listen to my podcast on Fridays. You get the early lean. This is going to be my fight of the night. I cannot wait for this fight. I think it is going to be a banger between two guys who pretty much are primary strikers. Bantamweight always usually going to deliver. Bolano's coming off a really kind of disappointing debut where I think a lot of us expected him to finish Aaron Phillips back in Kansas City. Never really quite got going, found the momentum, was pretty efficient, but like, we were all hoping for more like Aaron Phillips, lack of offense was more. So the reason he won than any sort of thing he did really struggled with takedown defense. But the fact both of these guys are fighting strikers. I can't wait to watch this one. Uh, I think it's going to be wildly entertaining. So um, Maddie, what do you think about Marcus McGee? Nice favorite Gaston Bolanos, the underdog here um, should be a great fight.
1: Yeah. I mean, Marcus McGee, seven of his eight fights by KO mm-hmm. I'm telling you this is, this is one of those fights where we do my rule right here. We take the KO guy by submission. Gaston lost twice in his mm-hmm. MMA career by submission. I'm pulling up these odds right now. I got to see the number. Marcus McGee by submission. Plus 275, man. That's interesting. I thought we were going to see a much better number.
0: I'm not I'm not overly surprised by that because McGee already has a UFC submission and Bolanos, you said two of his three pro losses came via submission and he struggled on the ground against Aaron Phillips. Phillips controlled him for over six minutes. So I'm not overly surprised by that. My question to those betting it, and and we got someone in chat saying that's not great value. McGee hasn't attempted a takedown yet. So it would really more have to be a club and sub type of thing that he got on Journey News and um do you really want to have to bank on a club and sub opportunity for plus 275? Yeah,
1: no, it's a good point. Uh, I but think in the matchup really- specifically, yeah. does he look for the takedown or just grapple or grappling in general?
0: Right. And that's where I usually can get things wrong where like I can only do my best to guess tendencies. McGee doesn't have like a grappling heavy profile whatsoever. It's really a striking gym more so with the MMA lab. Think of the guys coming out of there, O'Malley, Cannoneer. It's not like a jujitsu gym first and foremost. Um and, and like I kind of like McGee by decision if you're gonna back him here. But interestingly enough, I, I mentioned the line movement to start. He was minus 295 yesterday, sitting minus two sixty-five on FanDuel right now. So a little bit of coin came in on, on Gaston on the other side. I get it. I I do get it. Equal reach here. Gaston averages about two more significant strike attempts per minute. Um, and, and then Gaston Bolanos' striking defense at his debut was a pretty solid 56%. So, um, Marcus gets, gets finished or de- gets the finish would be my question. Um, I, I kind of like Bolanos here, like as a value bet. I'm looking at him, how this fight plays out. It's a lot like that last one with Bastarat and Lapolis where if I think it's going to be close, so we're talking about split majority decision. Um I, I think he can hang. The biggest thing about both of these guys, their competition sucks in UFC. Journey <laughs> Newsom and then Marcus McGee, JP Bays, and Journey Newsom, like those guys stink and they're out of UFC and they're cut from UFC. And then That's on the other side, Bolanos got Aaron Phillips. So we really don't have like a bona fide quality win to latch onto with either of these guys. Um, I, I'm not surprised to see McGee such a heavy favorite because, like, uh, a huge upset win in his debut, emphatic knockout first round, and is in the second fight up. So, I, I get that. And Bolanos was favored, Bolanos, I believe, was like minus 150 to win inside the distance against Phillips. And he let a lot of people, myself included, down by not finding the finish there. It felt like he was playing with his food a little bit. So I think Gaston is at least worth a dart here when we know so little about these guys.
1: Yeah, one thing that's interesting, the fight to go the distance is about two to one. Um, And you got a guy, the McGee, seven of his eight wins by KO. And Gaston, what was it? I think five or six. I don't know six six of his seven wins by KO, and you're only getting two to one on the fight to go the distance.
0: Interesting. Th- it that's just really weird. Like because I would agree that Bolanos is a net zero grappler. Like if this hits the mat, McGee is very live for a submission. We saw he- his skills to get on the back, get a rear naked choke against Journey Newsen. Like I feel like much more comfortable that he would have success there. I thought about the submission prop just like you did. I just don't know if he's going to go there by his own volition. And he would not be the first fighter that I think took the optimal game plan. Like it, you and I talked about this, I think last year with Andre Lusa, right? Like we were wondering, was the sub in his kit? And you literally texted someone from his camp and they said, no, it's not really in his kit. I would love to know that about Marcus McGee's wrestling here. If he's got a double leg, if he's got a single, if he's got a trip, mm-hmm. um, and, and would and would go for it in this spot. Because Aaron Phillips had a lot of success with that. I just, I, I hope this is a war because I think it'll be the most fun version of this fight. And if it is, I think Bolanos might be just a touch undervalued here. I
1: like it. Uh, so, let's move on to the next uh, one.
0: We will move on to the next one. And this is, I was, I am so happy to get your opinion on this fight because it's been driving me nuts all week. I feel like I'm falling for the cheese sitting on the rat trap and I'm about to stick my nose in there and get, end up getting stuck. Matthew Semmelsberger here. UFC veteran. We've seen semi the Jedi. I would more appropriately name him semi truck because he's got a boatload of knockdowns with UFC. Um, Stepping in on short notice to face Preston Parsons, a guy that has a pretty good win over Evan elder, even though that was elders, a lightweight, he's a welterweight. So the weight class doesn't exactly translate close fight with Trevin Giles last year on that same Kansas city card I referenced earlier and Parsons debut. Didn't go well either knocked out by Daniel Rodriguez. So, Parsons is one and two in UFC. Semmelsberger has five UFC wins. It feels like there's tiers between these guys, but this betting line is really close. So I'm curious to what you might think if you have one of these guys that you're higher on than another.
1: Yeah, this is a good matchup, mainly because these are two guys I can't figure out. When yeah. you look at Parsons, like I think Evan Elder is really good, right? I think that's a really good win. Yeah. Then he gets knocked out by D Rod the fight before. And then the Trevin Giles fight, he loses a split decision. And then you got Samuelsberger, who, you know, comes out, gets some knockdowns on Jake Matthews, has unanimous decision. Right. But, you know, can't beat Morono, can't beat, gets out physical by Jeremiah Wells, and then gets finished in his last fight. Like these are two guys that, when the, you know, it's good when the highs are high and then it's low when the lows are low. Like, it's two guys I can't seem to figure out. I tend to lean towards the plus money here. Truthfully, I like the, the dog in this spot. Um, I just think you know I would take plus money on either guy. I really would.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean that's interesting that you say that. Parsons actually opened as a favorite offshore here. I, I just saw a tweet that said that from an unnamed sports book. It flipped to Semel's Burger pretty quickly as like a small favorite here. I will here. How about I make the case for Parsons, even though I think I like Semelsberger. Parsons 3.11 takedowns per 15 minutes with 33% accuracy. So he's a pretty high volume wrestler. Averages like nine attempts per 15 minutes. Semmelsberger just a, what is it? 50% takedown defense. Yeah. We saw him struggle against Jeremiah Wells. Wells was really able to control him that entire fight. Um <laughs> Sometimes it's not what you expect it to be. I don't know what to do with that analysis, but like, <laughs> um, Semmelsberger is he I used to have a good read on him, and then these last few fights I've been just kind of shaky. Like I liked him a lot against uh I liked him a lot against Alex Morono. Morono got the better of him that night. I liked Jake Matthews quite a bit against Semmelsberger, and Semmelsberger was able to drop Matthews three times. We've seen his shin chin be a little shaky. Thought Semmelsberger was a good bet against Jeremiah Wells. He actually hurt Wells pretty early in that fight mm-hmm. and ends up getting dominated in the wrestling. And then I liked Medich against Semmelsberger, and Semmelsberger ended up losing that fight as well. I think his striking might be a little bit overrated, just like it feels very basic, very fundamental. Like, I don't think that there's a lot of nuance behind it. The good news for him, Preston Parsons, pretty four, poor 49% striking defense. And it's not like Daniel Rodriguez is the most layered striker either. He's got a jab. He's got a one, two, like D rod is just in your face and he's one to eat, take one to eat one. Um, mm-hmm. I think the question is, does Semelsberger knock him out um, or is Parsons right. able to just melt Semelsberger over time with his wrestling? And I think that's why this line is so close. I feel Semmelsberger in a vacuum has a lot more power than Rodriguez. So I am in general going to take Semi to find a way. It could be similar to how Semi's fight against AJ Fletcher looked, where Fletcher was able to have some success wrestling, but it was a 29-28 decision because Semelsberger landed the harder shots, was the one trying to strike. That's why Parsons lost against Trevin Giles. He just wasn't mixing in enough strikes with his cage control, with his takedown pressure, things like that. So um, I-, I like Semi, but I also feel like I might be but might be, like I said, taking the cheese from the rat trap a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think there's a ton of value on uh Parsons by decision. Yeah. Right now on the offshore, I'm seeing it at plus four hundred. Wow. Semmelsberger, like he doesn't really get finished, right? Out of his six losses, four by decision. Yeah. Right. He I just think that you're gonna get four to one. Yeah. On a on a small dog to win in the way that the favorite usually loses when they lose. I just love that number plus four hundred. Uh, that's going to make my card.
0: I I think that's a good number. That's the way. I, that's I how what I feel Parsons' win condition is because Jake Matthews didn't sub Semmelsberger. Jeremiah Wells didn't. Um, I, I gosh, I'm I'm slipping on some names here. Morono, you and I both love his grappling. Didn't like. Do we really think yeah. Preston Parsons is going to be able to do that? Um, I I control think Parsons time. Parsons wins this with control time, with pressure, with high volume takedown attempts, and Semelsberger is not able to get him off him. Interesting caveat to this fight. Semi stepped in on short notice intentionally to face Parsons. So a little weird mm. when I don't think it's the best matchup for Matthew.
1: So did Bryce Mitchell.
0: That's true. If I said something, <laughs> I, I still feel like Bryce Mitchell would have had a good time in that fight if he didn't get absolutely sent to the shadow realm. So it is I think that
1: possible. was <laughs> I think that was my worst bet of 2023. Bryce Mitchell Please. by decision.
0: I don't know. I I mean, like, those type of knockouts happened. The thing that I wish I had paid attention to, Maddie, Josh Emmett shaved the the beard. If I was getting vintage Josh (laughs) Emmett, if I knew I was getting vintage Josh Emmett, it would look the exact same as it did in 2018, I probably would have been on the other side. I didn't pay enough attention to the facial hair, and I will be better for all of the people in our audience, so... Um, a split fight interesting matchup i think both guys can win that um and maybe we we watch a little bit how this line moves watch a little bit more tape i i, I semmelsberger is a walking red flag he's really hard to bet on i think that is the end of the day the conclusion so let's hop over can
1: the... i can't I be sorry. talked out of it that Preston parsons by decision that that number is too juicy
0: i might bet i might bet Semmelsburg, I don't like doing this often, but Semmelsberger round one KO, Parsons by decision. I think that's that's like the two pronged outcome that I see in this fight. Um, mm-hmm. so I might bet both get depending on what number I get on Smelsberger. If he's only minus 138, I think I'll get at least three to one on round one KO. Um, he's not that big of a favorite, so hopefully that translates well when it gets drops on Fanduel on Friday. So we'll move on to the featured prelim. I think this will be one that Maddie and I actually have plenty of conviction about. Thankfully, we get a little bit of a break here. Waldo Cortez Acosta Next. taking on. Oh,
1: sorry, I'm having technical issues. There we go.
0: You're good. Waldo Cortez Acosta, Salsa Boys back. He's taking on Andre Arlovsky, the UFC heavyweight champion from 2006. Still going strong at age 44. Um, shout out to Zane Simon of the Bloody Elbow. It, we were like, why is Arlovsky still fighting? He's actually raking in six figures for every fight because of the UFC's new tenure program. So like the dude is getting paid a lot to get knocked out recently in 2024. So kind of understand why he's going in there for the money. It's pretty good money that he's getting every time he steps in. This is a tall, tall task for him against Waldo Cortez Acosta. I would love to hear your Andre Arlovsky argument if you got one, but I don't think you do.
1: I mean, I didn't initially, and pl- but plus four thirty is making me like think a little bit. Like it's still Andre Arlovsky. I know he's like a grandfather now, but my god, <laughs> plus four thirty Cortez Acasa. You know, this is honestly kind of a sell spot for a for a costa after that last yeah.
0: fight. Well, dude, oh, I've man, been looking to sell. Is... I've been looking to sell Waldo for a while. Like, I, I thought Brezhke, because of the volume that he showed against Martin Budai was a decent bet against Waldo. That ended horribly in a matter of seconds. Um, I, I, I think Waldo showed okay in that Marcos Rogério Delima fight. I was pretty big on Delima there. I was actually sweating that ticket a little bit. Um we know what Waldo is and what he isn't right. Like he's not, doesn't really have any sort of grappling skills. Luckily for him, Andre Arlovsky last landed a takedown in 2018. His last submission attempt came before Barack Obama's first presidency. So (laughs) I think we're okay on this just being a striking match, but like the thing that I got bit by Arlovsky coming out of the COVID break is he has this way of fighting his exact style of fight. You know what I mean? Where he drags you into the mud. It's low volume. I, I got I took a bath with Tanner Boser against Arlovsky a few years ago. I thought Boser was gonna knock him out cold. Arlovsky kept that fight slow, low volume, ended up eking out a decision. And if Waldo's not careful, he could get pulled into that as well. That's the vintage Arlovsky fight style, I think. If you're gonna if you're trying to formulate an argument for Andre.
1: Yeah, he literally got outstruck 2X against Tanner Boser. But was yeah. a unanimous decision, sixty-eight to thirty-four. But he won the decision, and then the next fight he fights Tom Aspinall.
0: <laughs> I I think I remember how that one went for him, given that Tommy's the the heavyweight champion yeah. of the world now. But I need
1: to see the the DFS lines on this one. Hold on. Yeah. I I I'm
0: will curious. say, as somebody who has sold Waldo quite a bit, like like I have felt like he's one-dimensional, maybe not as powerful as as reputation. I believe he's a better striker at just about everything than Dante Mays, and Dante Mays just knocked Arlovsky out in the second round. Dante's a guy that I've really struggled to get behind and find out what he does well. I know at least Waldo, great volume, averages about 14 significant strike attempts per 15 minutes, lands about half of them. He's pretty good with the low kicks, and Arlovsky Arlovski doesn't really have a lot of steam on his low kicks at that point, and that's where Waldo has been most vulnerable. Um, I, I would say sometimes with the low kicks, we saw Rogerio Lima chop at him with those. Um, there's just not a lot of punching power coming out on, on Andre Arlovsky at this point. I, I don't right. know how a guy with as much volume as Waldo gets lured into that sort of Arlovsky style fight. I honestly think he knocks him out. And this is from a guy that doesn't think Waldo is, I, I generally think Waldo is overvalued, but like I I don't really know how I can back the other side in this matchup.
1: Yeah. I mean, the fact that the DFS app Cortez Acosta's significant strikes at 38 and a half. Yeah. When he lands seven a minute, that's pretty telling, you know, so they don't think it's going to, they think this fight's over within six minutes.
0: Yeah. I do too. Uh, Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's so chalky, but at this point, Arlovsky is starting to show his age. Finally. Um, it, it, he had been defying it for a while against some guys like Boser. I think he fought Carlos Felipe as well. Kind of a high volume guy, Jake Collier, not a lot of punching power. Jared Vandera may like Cortez Acosta is better than all of these guys. My doubts aside. And the biggest thing is that our Andre doesn't really have the wrestling element that I want to see Waldo have to face. Like if you think Waldo Cortez Acosta is worth like a dart as like a future champion, I imagine him fighting Curtis Blades is, is my initial take uh, is like on that. But we won't even have to come close to answering that question on Saturday.
1: Yep. Well, him to win by knockouts minus 180.
0: Wow. That's honestly a pretty good number.
1: No, I was going to say it's not that expensive for a minus 700 favorite. Yeah. And this I number, mean, number, I think the- you look at the round two which I want to see what that is. You just, you got to pray that Arlovsky survives five minutes and then you get a a decent number.
0: Right. There's only so high. They can make this line at heavyweight. Um, like I think the largest heavyweight line I've ever seen was Alexander Romanov against chase Sherman. Like he was like minus 1800 or something, but Romanov, you had the security that he was just going to go through a guy with no power and just take Mm -hmm. him down with a double leg and submit his ass. Like, Waldo is going to have to at least play at distance. And that is that is still probably a dangerous game against a heavyweight who's in shape and has a lot of experience. So, Yeah,
1: Waldo in round one by knockout, plus 240, round two Good plus number. 300, round wow. three plus
0: 550.
1: Good number. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, would you not look at a, a round one, two sprinkle?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, if I can bet a half unit on each and profit off of that, yeah. That's a nice stand to take. Right. Because
1: if it gets to round three, Arlovsky's probably surviving at that point. Yep. I think.
0: I I agree. I think it's probably going the distance at that point. Probably in Waldo's favor, but you never know. Like, we did. We thought, I thought Boser was going to cash that decision because he was up way, way far on the significant strikes, and the judges gave it to Arlovski. I I don't want nothing to do with this fight if it heads to the cards, but, like, I'm with you. I think round one, two sprinkles the play, and a lot of times we get better numbers on FanDuel, so optimistic we'll get a better number.
1: And that's a good comment down there. Moicano is teammate with Andre and said he should retire. Yeah. That's good insight.
0: It's just, it's just hard when like he is raking in six figures every time he fights, he goes, gets knocked out for a little bit and, and it's good money because the UFC pays based on tenure and he's been there since 2001. So right. <laughs> it's good money. Um, He's one of the few that's making good money that it makes sense to fight. Even that if he's not, in a chance to compete, but we'll hop up onto the main card here, Maddie. Um, very. I, I think when you and I were talking before the card, this is exactly the type of fight that popped in my head. This is a banger. Like for an apex main card event here, Phil Haas taken on Bruno Ferreira. These guys have both had super high highs in UFC. They've had super low lows. We've seen Phil a little bit longer, but Bruno Ferreira, maybe the most impressive win of the bunch against Gregory Rodriguez in his UFC debut. Mm. You and I, this is a pro RoboCop podcast. I I think both of us yeah. are comfortable saying that. So that was an impressive we'll dub. It'll be a very impressive one against Phil Hawes too. Tight betting line here. Who you like?
1: This is one of those fights where I want to just hammer a violent bet, but yeah. it just always it never ends well when when you want to do that, and especially if it's juicy. Let me take a look. But no, I think I think Phil Hawes overall is the more skilled guy. I just don't trust his chin anywhere near as much. And that's the challenge.
0: Maddie, you and I have spent too much time together because I have exactly in here that I said, let's see here. Phil Hawes is simply the better fighter everywhere from an efficiency and volume perspective, (laughs) but his chin concerns explain the line being as is. That's an exact verbatim sentence I have in my notes there. So you and I are on the exact same page here. I think this is a good price for chin concerns. Um, and it's actually getting better. Phil Hawes is now plus 102 instead of minus 106 yesterday. So a little bit of money coming in on Ferrero. Like I, I I agree with you. I think it's just a chin, it's a chin check, right? Like I think Haas is the better wrestler, probably the better technical striker. Really lands 59% of his significant strikes. He's very accurate. He was in that fight with Ikram Alaskarov until Alaskarov just turned his lights off. Um, like that was a really competitive close first round until Ikram landed that that super punch that has now sent him toward the rankings. Um I I feel like Ferreros was a little bit more lucky. I I know that's that's unfair a bit to say, but Rodriguez if he has a weakness, Robocop does, chin a little high up in the air, striking defense isn't perfect, and I think Bruno caught him. The problem is I don't know what to do with his last fight cuz I still don't know very much about Nursultan Rosaboyev. Rezbo- I I don't really know a lot about him and I thought Rosaboyev was kind of a lay-and-pray type of submission guy, and then he ends up and starches Ferreira standing on the feet. So, like, I is, does Ferreira have any chin weaknesses? The, the biggest thing is this fight is what I wanted to talk about earlier. I actually do like like a decision-goes-the-distance type of prop on this fight. Both of these com- guys coming off very violent knockouts. Maybe you're a little bit more trepidatious. That's that's a system that I want to track here in 2024. It's like a New Year's resolution. It's something that came to me when previewing this fight, and it makes logical sense to me. So maybe these super violent, and you're like, it never seems to work out. Maybe that's the reason. is because these guys come out of wars, and they may want to take it easy a little bit. And I think the easier this fight goes the more it swings in phil hall's direction
1: yeah i mean phil hall's by decision plus 650 yeah. this fight to just go the distance is plus 450 i mean that's an insane number yeah and i agree with you i'd love to see what that system actually is like you got two guys coming off a of ko how often does that fight go over or as well as how fight does that how often does that fight go to the distance
0: right I don't, I don't see that we have any other candidates for this on the card because we have some, it's very rare that you have multiple sets of losers on a card. It's, it, it doesn't happen all that often. So we may have to gather data a while, but I think our chat is actually nailing the dynamic here. I see Bruno Ferreira as kind of a violence war type of guy. Does Phil come out and wrestle? Does Phil try to wear on him? just deplete the gas tank. Like we haven't seen Ferreira do any sort of point fighting regional or otherwise. He's just a, he's a slugger. Whereas Haas, we saw him go to a decision with Kyle Dawkins. We saw Phil Haas go the distance with Nassar Denei, So we know what that looks like much more so than how Ferreira will fare later into rounds.
1: Yeah. I mean, Ferreira is pretty much killer. Be killed. Yep. You know, 10 wins by finish one loss by finish.
0: Yeah. And even though Hawes got Jacob Malcoon, I believe, knocked him out in his UFC debut, I don't really see really see him as a one punch and go power type of guy. Do you say it again? Do you think Phil Hawes is like a one punch and go power type of guy? I really Definitely see Definitely not. Yeah, I don't think so either. I
1: think he's skilled.
0: Agreed. I think he's extremely
1: skilled and well rounded.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the hey.
1: experience, the reach advantage, the wrestling advantage. Yeah. Just comes down to does he get does he get caught? <laughs>
0: Yeah. Desi, and the chin is very, very concerning guy. Chris Curtis got him in the first round. Um, it got him in the first round and who's the other guy that got him in the first round. I, I, uh, Delidze. I, yeah, Delidze. and Delidze is, I mean like none of those names that I just read that those guys are all ranked middleweights. So it's like, there's only so much Shane in losing them, but to all lose by first round knockout, that's a chin concern. You have a powerful puncher here. Um, but Ferreira didn't get Ruzaboyev out of there, and and I don't know much about Nur Sultan at this point. So I kind of like, I love that Phil by decision number that you read. If I get that at like seven to one, kiss. I love that. That'll be one of my markets yeah. on Saturday.
1: Let me see real quick before we go into the next one. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious what Phil Raw's or Phil Halls uh, get knocked out in round one.
0: <laughs>
1: so Ferreira round one knockout plus two seventy five.
0: I think that's appropriate. Let's, let's put a percentage on that and let's
1: see. I'm not opposed to playing that and Phil Hall's by decision.
0: That's about 26% of the time. And, and that's kind of the way I feel about this fight. I didn't, I can't model it because Bruno's only been in there like three total minutes at this point, but I feel like about 30% of the time Ferreira knocks him out in the first round. I think the other 70% Phil Hall's wins with his reach at distance with his wrestling, you name it. So, um, I really like the value I get on Phil here. I am very aware of the way it could go wrong.
1: <laughs> Here's the last thing I'll say about Phil Hoss.
0: Yeah. You
1: know how high I am on Ikrom. Yep, me too. So I don't take nothing away from him in that fight. The problem is he's just two of the three fights before he's been finished in round one as well. Mm-hmm. But again, like you said, those are those are quality guys.
0: Yeah, it's just all about the chin. And, and if there's anyone that gets chin betting wrong more than me, I'd like to meet you because I, all the time, if, if I fade the guy's chin, all of a sudden he becomes iron Mike Tyson. If I he, target the guy's chin, it, I I'm terrible at betting chins, but I do like Phil Hawes in general. And I don't think he should be, um, uh, an underdog to a guy with this little experience. So we'll move from that banger to another That's one. Next up. At, at, uh, bantamweight here, Ricky Simone taking on Mario Bautista. Um, I, I don't know why we, that's my bad on the typo. We turned Mario Bautista into Mauricio Shogun hua almost, but, um, <laughs> but this is a bantamweight banger. It's kind of absurd how deep this division is that this fight is like at least taking place on the fringe of the rankings. Um, it, it, Sebastian rightly rightfully pointed out like your Cody pick, like the Cody Garber mm, same got that chin pick wrong too. Um, I I don't bet Chins, I've just had bad luck, but 2024 is a new year. We're gonna manifest positive things, is what we're gonna do. So yes, sir. Uh, Ricky Simone, M- Mario Bautista, this line is actually skyrocketed. Ricky was minus 166 yesterday, he's now minus 184, and like I modeled this fight, I sat and I sat and I thought about it and I thought about it, and then I came to a pretty um underwhelming conclusion compared to my model. What do you think when you bet ba- match these killers at Bantamweight up against each other?
1: Yeah, I love Ricky Simone by decision. I think the number right now, plus 140. Yeah. I love that. I don't see much finish in equity. I see a lot of takedowns, a lot of control time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's able to get the finish on the ground. I just think I, I really like that that number. 3 round fight. I mean, Ricky Simone looked good in the Sonya Dawn fight. Mm-hmm. You know, I catched on that Sonia Dawn round five. So that was that was huge, but I mean, I was sweating because I sprinkled three, four, five.
0: Yeah, for
1: for for Um, uh, But no, Ricky Simone's good.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, both of these guys are pretty. Were you on Mario Bautista against Blackshear, or did you have? The I other was guy? on Blackshear. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, a very I, close fight. It was a close fight, and honestly, I was on Bautista, and I thought I dodged a bullet that night. I felt like yeah. Damon very easily could have gotten the nod in both of the first two rounds there I I think Mario rescued himself in round three with a takedown, but like Blackshear, if you remember was on seven days notice he had just beaten Jose Johnson the week prior, cut all the way back to 135 and then was very competitive with Mario like the thing about Bautista is I like him a lot. Um, I just very much question the level of competition because before Blackshear, Guido Canetti, Benito Lopez, Brian Kelleher, Jay Perrin, Trevin Jones, not exactly a lot of high-level measuring sticks for a guy that just fought Song Yadong, right? Um, Right. And I think that's where my model got this fight wrong because it actually has Bautista favored. It has him as a minus 120 favorite. And the reason why is because Ricky Simone, not a lot of, of striking volume, actually not a lot of submission volume, oddly. He has only attempted four UFC submissions. He's converted three of them. That's a pretty unsustainable rate. In one a, against
1: Marab. Yep. Yeah, 2018. Yep.
0: Yeah, in that controversial finish, right at the bell between between Marab. Like the thing, I don't think it understands about Simone is he is an outlier, one of one. Well, maybe two of two, because Marab is a totally different beast when it comes to wrestling here 135. Ricky has pretty much dominated everyone except Song Yadong in that regard. Um, Anyone that was unranked, and it, it's not like I have to think very hard about the takedown success against Bautista because Damon Blackshear landed 4 of 7 attempts on Mario and Mario is just a 56% takedown defense overall. Like I I I think Mario's BJJ is good enough to keep him from getting finished here, but I'm on the exact same page as you. I think Simone's just going to be too strong, too relentless with the takedowns and he doesn't really get tired from the high volume of attempts, right? I felt maybe this is misguided, but I think Song Yidong was better than Mario Bautista. And I thought Jack Shore was better than Mario Bautista. And all of a sudden, you get Mario in this fight, I think he's going to have a hard time stopping the takedowns.
1: Yeah, for sure. Let me ask you a question, because I'm with you. I like I like Ricky Simone by decision, but yeah, he, I don't think, I know he hasn't been submitted in the UFC. I need to right. check in MMA, but Mario Bautista by sub, there's a ton of wrestling attempts. Yeah. Could be a long shot one here.
0: That's true. Maybe he gets like caught in a guillotine or something, but like that's in Simone's office. I I'd be a little surprised. Yeah. Now. Ricky is very much prone to the dumb moment. You remember the Uriah Faber fight? Like that was supposed to be Ricky Simone's first arrival into the UFC rankings and Uriah Faber knocked him out cold when Uriah had been retired for a few years. Um, I, 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 I generally don't like guys that are super one-dimensional because it's easy to see coming and stop it. But like Mario's takedown defense woes. And his submission... It, Mario has a submission in three of his last four fights. He's won three of his last four by submission. Before that, he had been submitted by Corey Sandhagen. We hadn't really seen it a lot. And you look at some of the names on here. Brian Kelleher, Benito Lopez, Guido Canetti. They're not like high-level grappling right. dudes. So... Simone is working in his office. Does he get, I I assume it's always possible when you've got like a spam wrestler gets caught in a guillotine choke. Maybe that's how you you hedge out a Simone position, but I understand why Ricky is taking heavy money here.
1: Yeah. I I could see more so than the guillotine. I could see like a crazy scramble where he finds his back. Yeah. I mean, Ricky Simone's one submission loss was by rear naked choke and Bautista's last two subs rear naked choke. Again, it's a long shot one. I like Ricky Simone by decision, but I do think that's a long shot worth yeah. taking a look at.
0: And Batista, Batista has the right type of tools, right? Like he's got the submission skills. He knocked out Miles Johns or was it Miles Johns with the flying knee? I think it was Miles Johns. Yeah, it was Miles Johns with the flying knee. And like, that's another thing that if you're coming in on a takedown entry, Derek Lewis with an uppercut on Curtis Blades years ago, or, or the knee, you know, like but he's just crafty. So he's got a few different ways to win this fight. Like, I don't think Simone is an auto bet at minus 184, but like um, may- maybe this is a win for the model, but I I just look at it and I don't think it's properly weighting how much of an advantage Ricky should have getting this to the mat. So we sh- we shall see. Um, let- let's, uh, <laughs> Maddie, I can't wait for this next fight to talk about it with you guys. I- I'm so... I'm so- uh, intrigued to see your take on this next fight yeah. here. All right, let's move
1: on to the next one. I think we're aligned there.
0: Is it my? I mean, it could be my internet. That's always possible. There we go. Gabriel Gabriel Benitez, Jim Miller. We got an old dude fight, a little tune-up for Jimmy Miller here before UFC 300 in a few months. He's gonna fight Gabriel Benitez at lightweight. Kind of an old dude fight. It was a pick yesterday. It's moved a little bit in Jim Miller's direction. But, like, we kind of know what we're getting from both of these guys. They're veterans. You know, I've backed them. I've actually been very profitable on both of these guys, oddly. It's really weird. Like, I I wouldn't have guessed that given their up-and-down level of competition. But we'll dive into some of that. Um, 40-year-old, in his prime, Jim Miller taking on Gabriel Benitez here, bud. Do you have a specific lean with this fight sitting at a pick right now?
1: Jim Miller by brutal knockout,
0: <laughs> and then
1: he turns around for UFC 300. I'm calling it right now.
0: I I certainly think that's his plan, right? I, I, it's got to be. He doesn't want to take a lot of damage, risk missing that. Um, what wh- what is it about knockout with Benitez? Like the the chin issues we've seen from him at times.
1: Yeah, I mean, four of his losses by knockout. I think it's more about Jim Miller, bro. His yeah. Late surgeons in his career as he's gotten older, has found his powder, found his power. Look in the last fight. I know it was a scrub off the couch or a rookie prospect, whatever. He's confident with his hands right now, bro. He's falling in love with his hands. <laughs> I will say I did get burned. I had at Circa a, year, a couple of years ago. I'll never forget this. I had a two-leg parlay with Andre Muniz by decision over Uriah Hall. Yeah. Plus 800 on Circa. I parlayed that with Jim Miller by KO over Cowboy Cerrone. Really? And he subbed him, and I lost the second leg. It was a huge payout. It was like a 1,000 to win 20,000. Yeah. And I, I lost on the second leg. This is right after Cowboy's chin has been gone. He's been knocked out by everyone. I was like Jim Miller is going to starch him. He comes in and guillotines him. So the risk is there. I like Jim Miller inside the distance. I think that he finds the KO though.
0: It, do you? Can you uh, snag a total on this fight? Because I am curious what it. I really had no idea when I was modeling it what to expect, and I got an odd result. So I was just curious what what you're because I've got this fight sixty five point two percent to not go the distance. It's my model's giving me violence, which I don't mind at all. Really? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, I thought that was a little surprising too, just because a couple class vets of the game. But, um, I mean, Miller has been killer to be killed for, for quite a while now when you look at his, his recent results. Yeah, yeah only two decisions in each of these guys cumulative last 10 fights. The so last five apiece, only two total decision results.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, let's see. Both were losses, oddly enough. I got to be honest, while you're looking, I got to be honest with you. Jim Miller is one of my favorite fighters in UFC. Like I mentioned him on my very first podcast I did for FanDuel. I deserve to be booed by the chat because I like Gabriel Benitez in this fight. And it makes me sick to my stomach because I love Jim. Um, I, I don't think it's a great matchup for him. First thing that, that I dove in and noticed, Jim Miller 2-7 and seven against Southpaws in UFC. Gabriel Benitez is going to be coming out of the, the left-handed stance there, so that's kind of interesting. Um, and then the second thing is I just feel like Gabriel's been fighting tougher competition. As both of these guys have been kind of up and down, like Miller is five and four in his last nine fights. You look at Benitez, he's lost four of six, but you look at who Gabriel's lost to David Onama, Billy Quarantillo, Omar Morales, and Sadiq Yusuf. There's not really a horrible name anywhere in that group. Like I, the, the, as a favorite, the Gabriel Benitez, Billy Quarantillo fight was one of the most violent fights I have ever seen. Like Billy absolutely mauled Benitez until maybe the end of the second round when, when Gabriel probably ended up quitting, but I don't blame him whatsoever because it was a one-way Billy Q killer cardio session. Um, Benitez, higher striking defense than Jim, 65%. Both of these guys land exactly 41% of their significant strikes historically, but Gabrielle offers about double what Jim does, 11.7 for Benitez, 6.9 for for Miller. So uh, higher volume on the feet. I think the question is, does Miller go to his wrestling because Benitez only has a 58% takedown defense, but a lot of that damage was done against Quarantilla. I don't know how good you said Miller fell in love with his hands. We talked about our love well earlier. Wrestling is really the thing that is hardest as these guys age. It's hard to continue to wrestle like that up in advanced age. You could probably box forever. It's the wrestling that's hard. So I don't know what approach Jim takes, but I think Gabriel Benitez ends up winning this fight. I, I, I don't know how I feel about my model saying violence, but I've got Benitez at minus 110 with no VIG. So Benitez minus 110, Miller plus 110 is where I'd set this line from a probability perspective. I think the value is on Gabrielle here. And of course, the five H five, eight, five years of age, probably not withstanding. And both of these guys are former featherweights. So um I, boo me all you want, because I hope Jim Miller wins this fight, but I do think Benitez wins it.
1: Yeah. The fight to not go the distance minus two seventy-five.
0: Okay, so so the odds makers are saying violence as well. That makes me feel oh, better. 73.3% yeah. Yeah. implied there. So I'm actually showing value on the over, if nothing else, but like right. the, the strong lean there from both odds makers and myself is is an early finish. And I, I would agree. I think that favors Jim, doesn't it? I feel like Benitez, if this was gonna go 15 minutes, might be the prettier striker of these two.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got me torn on this fight now because I think I'm a little biased. I love Jim Miller.
0: I love Jim Miller too. I I well, I let my model help me check my bias, but then at the same time, I looked at Benitez's recent competition list. And I'm like, this guy's washed. I don't know, man. Sadiq Yusuf, Billy Quarantillo, like... They're pretty good guys to lose to now. This, I don't know, is this, I think this is Benitez's second fight. It is his second fight at lightweight. He got a, a win against Charlie Ontiveros that I barely even count as a win. Ontiveros was terrible. So um, it, it this is his second fight at lightweight Jim much more experienced in this weight class, much more established power history at this weight class. I think the odds are very appropriate that it's a close fight. Don't see a lot of betting value here. Agree. Let's
1: move so. on to the next one.
0: So co-made event time here. I, I can't get my head around this fight, man. Like we, this is not the first time we've seen Mateus Nicolau and Manel cop. Nicolau got a split decision back in 2021. Now we will re-rack them. It feels like this flyweight division is notorious for rematches, right? We just had Pantoja Roy Val. We've had Moreno figure four. Like these guys can't seem to get away from each other at the top of this division. Manel Kopp, a pretty sizable favorite here in the rematch, despite losing the split decision. Most of the media scorecards, though, gave it to Manel. Um, both of these guys really talented flyweights inside the top 10, I think actually top six. Um, this is probably a title eliminator. Are you are you taking the chalk with Starboy, or do you think Nicola's betting value might be uh, an interesting dart in this one?
1: Yeah, so I like Manel cop to be future champ. By the end of the year, so I'm clearly picking Manel Cop here. With that said, I'm not laying minus two sixty five in this fight. In a fight where he's lost to Nicolau previously, so I look at maybe a decision prop here. I I, I don't have that many concerns on Nicolau getting finished in his last fight. I think it's just when you're fighting and Roy Val, that's just the type of fight it is. I could just see Cop getting his revenge in this fight. Yeah. Winning like a 29, 28 is, is how I see this fight going.
0: So you're leaning decision. That's, that's interesting because I hear a lot of cop folks talking about knockout here. Nicolau. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's a chin thing. Like it was a flying knee from Brandon Royval, Roy Val. And then years ago, Dustin Ortiz got him with a head kick. So it's not right. really been like a defensive concern or a chin thing. Like it's taken something pretty special to get Nicolau out of here. These guys have matching ages. Um, Cop was a pretty big favorite in the first fight as well. I think Nicolau undervalued here, man. I really do. Um, like when I look at these two side by side, since their rematch, we just haven't learned a lot about Manel cop at this top level. I, I know that's going to sound crazy because I, a lot of people are in love with the striking. And I understand that very, very fast, very quick lands, 54% of his significant strikes at averaging over 10 a minute. So on paper, my model can see Manel cop is an unbelievable striker, but the caveat being the competition, Ode Osborne, um, Jalgas Jumagulov, notorious free win here at flyweight. And then Anderson, Anderson Dos Santos in his last fight was making his UFC debut. Really the one ranked victory was David Dvorak, who at this point has also lost to Steve Ursig. So Nikolau inside the top five loses to Royval. I don't really know if we've learned a lot about cops since his fight with Nikolau loss, his fight with Pantoja loss, like, do you think there's any part of the hype behind cop that might be a little bit far-fetched because like, I don't understand film acumen. So like I, I, I don't have any film acumen. I don't, I don't really see it personally when I like look at his resume and his list of wins.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, even though I think cop could be future champ, And again, I'm playing a number on that. I want everyone in the chat to understand that I'm playing a number. I'm not picking him in a pick over any of the top three guys. Sure. You know, I'm pl- I'm playing a number at the end of the day when I'm betting a future like that. With that said, I think the value side is 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 Mateus. You know, it's just a guy that already beat Madel cop. You're getting over two to one on him. He's it's a buy low spot coming on. And again, you you nailed it. Mm-hmm. It's not like this is a guy that has holes in his strike in. Nope. And could get. Flatline by an L cop. This is more of a guy that, you know, a knee, a head kick, like I think anyone in that division, maybe minus Brandon Moreno (laughs) or Pompeia goes out off of that. So
0: Yeah. I This is a tough one. It, it is a tough one. I The thing about Nikolaus, I, I think he's generally undervalued here. Best striking defense within the flyweight rankings, 66%. Best takedown defense within the flyweight rankings, 93%. Really, if you're going to beat him, it does require some sort of circus maneuver, like a flying knee. Like A, a lot of guys are not going to be able to start handle him per minute. If cop is going to win this fight, I think he has to do so with volume. That's what That's what has historically gotten the best of him. But the problem was... Anderson dos Santos in his last fight, I, I, I hope I'm getting that name right. I am not. Oh, Felipe dos Santos. Felipe I, I dos got Santos. It. Yeah. Yeah. There, Anderson was a bantamweight years ago. Felipe yeah. dos. Santos. Felipe was landing in that fight as well. He landed ninety nine significant strikes. It was it was not competitive. I thought Cop clearly won all three rounds, but. There, there was some damage there and, and Nicolau is a much higher level fighter at this point. than like, remember how brutal that knockout of Matt Schnell was. He was surgical I was so confident in Nicolau against Roy Val. And I don't yeah. love to use the F word, but that felt kind of fluky. I think if you match Nicolau and Royval against each other a hundred times, I think Nicolau wins like 75 of them. Um, it, it, I just feel like he's a lot better than Roy Val. And I just don't know if I feel good putting cop on that level yet based on who he's fought. He lost comfortably to Pantoja. It was much not, not quite as close as Nicolau in his fight. And then it was a split decision between those two where he was the prohibitive favorite. So maybe the media a little biased to the guy who was supposed to win. You never know how those media scorecards look. From a model perspective, I've got Nicolau at minus 140 here. Um, so I, I've got him favored. The key attributes there, Nicolau, much higher level of competition how about this? Also leads flyweights rankings with a two point one six percent knockdown rate. Mateus Nicolau, highest knockdown rate in flyweight. Yeah, that's with Figueredo leaving, so um, Nicolau can thank him for that. But this is a dude that if I was putting a if I was putting a flyweight future on, I think I would bet Nicolau to be a future champion in this division. I I didn't see. Mm. Did you bet a few futures when when the markets were open?
1: Yeah, uh, Manel Cop, Let's and I just see, put out one. I just let's, put out one today. On... Let's uh,
0: let's talk about it at the end of the show because I got a few to run through, and we'll run yeah. through them at the end of the show. Like is some of the because I I sprinkled five of them, and I'll defend my case. I if you guys have any future champion bets in 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 there that you placed at what number, please let us know. It's kind of a fun market, right? You get to root for a guy two or three times a year that you have a ticket on. So we'll get to that at yeah. the end of the show. I'm. Cu- I, this is this i think this is what's hard for people is like i agree that cop probably in that market was undervalued but I think part of it was he's got this really tough fight lined up in January and I don't know if he's going to win it
1: yeah no I'm, I'm i understand i understand that viewpoint mm-hmm. i'll tell you what i like the most in this fight is okay. the fight to go the distance i like okay. it's minus 150 right now yeah i think we can get a slightly better number on that but I just don't see either guy getting finished here. I really yeah. don't.
0: I, uh, I like I high volume it.
1: fight. It goes, this goes to the scorecards.
0: I think I'm with you. Both of these guys have pretty hefty knockdown rates. Not really a lot of submission danger for either's. It's just recent, recent results are skewing my model toward the under here. But like, as I mentioned with cop, the level of competition was much lower. Nicolau had a little bit of that. Like, um, he went the distance with Tim Elliott, but Nic- Nicolau, finished Schnell. um, I actually think that his win over Schnell was his first career finish. Yeah, Nicolau has won six of his seven UFC fights by decision, so I think you're cooking with gas, Maddie. That he's typically a guy that goes all fifteen.
1: I think you're getting a good number Mm -hmm. based off of him coming off of that that vicious KO loss. And again, we think that's semi fluky. So I think you get. I think you get the fight going at distance at a great number.
0: I mean, you think about just in theory the game, like the game theory process. I did a little bit of this with Andrade Dern last year. Nikolau coming off an, a disappointing knockout loss, Cops won four in a row. The value proposition is probably going to be on Nikolau, regardless of how these guys match up. And then we saw their first fight was very close. So, um, yeah, interesting, interesting betting number. I, I'm glad we're kind of aligned on the same page there, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see if we're aligned on this last one. I, I, I vaguely remember talking about it before. It became a, a total disaster in Abu Dhabi. Like, Magomed Ankaliya, Johnny Walker. Um, yeah, a, the wide, wide betting line on this, and it was in their first fight back in October. If you if you don't recall the fight, it is free on YouTube, on UFC's YouTube channel. You can watch the whole thing. Not a whole lot going on there, but Ankaliya and Walker traded for a little bit on the feet. Ankaliya got a takedown entry, had Walker against the cage. Hit him with a grounded knee. And then the doctor asks Johnny Walker what country he's in. And Shocker, the guy that cage fights, isn't a geography expert, so he doesn't know the answer. And then he ended up stopping the fight. And Dana White was in the cage. It was a whole mess. We're gonna run it back for the first main event of the year here. I don't anticipate we're gonna see all five rounds in this one, but you never know. Um Ankle Ivan Walker, big, big one. Like Johnny Walker catapults into the title contention if he can somehow pull an upset here. Magomed, a a heavy favorite based on what we saw earlier. Have you changed your perspective at all on this fight from the first fight? Wait, Remind the audience as well what you were thinking headed into their first fight.
1: Yeah, so first of all, how in the hell was that first fight not a KO slash DK DQ win for Johnny Walker? That's a great question. It should have been. And I should have cashed I would have hit big on that.
0: Yeah, I I think by by the book, how the Nevada Athletic Commission would run, that was an illegal strike with intent. Like, if we saw Cody Brundage get a win over Malcoon like that, it wasn't that one worse.
1: You know why it went that way? Because I was on the wrong side for each of them.
0: I I was going to get, I was going to guess that it was in Abu Dhabi and we had a a Dagestani wrestler involved, but, um, whatever, whatever you might presume. Yeah. It does. It did feel like 2023 went that way for us. Didn't it? If we had a DQ, we were on the other side. It was going to go the other way, but 2024, we're going to be optimistic, positive. I'm going to guess that we get a definitive result here. What were your impressions from that first fight? I I don't know if you had a chance to rewatch it this week, but I'm just curious what your takeaway was because I had one as well
1: yeah i think alkali can get the takedowns in this fight i just don't think he can hold i don't think he can get the control time and hold johnny walker down and i think johnny walker on the feet he's not the better striker but he's definitely the better finisher and i think any second of this fight that he's on the feet he's he's live for a finish so this fight makes me nervous i think johnny walker is kind of like a trendy Inside the distance, underdog, everyone's going to be on. Really? But it's hard for You don't think?
0: Well, I can guarantee you from the money splits I've seen so far at some sources, it is not that way. You got like 85% plus piling in on Magomed here. That makes me feel great then.
1: Really? I like Johnny Walker inside the distance. My heart wants to bet that. My head kind of wants to bet it. My gut's telling me Ankalai is going to make it boring. But I don't know, man. I, I'm torn. I'm torn. I think I'll end up betting Johnny Walker inside the distance.
0: Right. I, I'm i just so intrigued by this new version of Johnny Walker that goes the distance with Anthony Smith, like showed submission skills against him. Like, is Johnny Walker all grown up? Has he actually rounded out a little bit of an MMA skill set? Because before, it, this was a very easy pick. The the thing that always drives me nuts about ankle live, and I think I said this on our October show, he just doesn't separate from anybody. Like he's drawing with Jan Blahovich because he was just getting his leg kicked the entire time. He wasn't really doing a lot with his wrestling to a point where I think one judge gave Jan a round that he spent most of on bottom. Like Uncle I have just, is not very active offensively. And it's really hard to pull away with that. The case four of his last five fights have gone to a decision. Uh, given that he's not getting much attention, I'm with you. I watched their first fight. It was honestly pretty close. I, I don't think we learned anything definitive about these guys. In fact, your guy, Hey Jive tweeted out, I think if it wasn't today, it was yesterday. Johnny Walker was very close to that flying knee that off the little possum attempt that he was trying. If he had landed that, it would have broke the internet. So um, oh my God. I- I I can't imagine you you guys if you understand like the implied probability behind betting here Walker coming back at plus three fifty on FanDuel right now he's being a, given a twenty two point two percent chance to win it should not be that small against any light heavyweight on the planet just because of the power and the physical tools this dude possesses you you throw in the fact that Ankalaev doesn't put a lot of offense out there he's never attempted official UFC submission attempt. I don't know how Ankalaev covers this number other than Johnny making a mistake and getting knocked out, which is which is wholly plausible. Uh Ankalaev, interestingly enough, this line hasn't budged. It was minus 520 when I pulled it yesterday. It's minus 520 now, even though we can reasonably assume Ankalaev is getting his money at FanDuel like he is elsewhere. It's weird. This is a weird, weird fight. And Maddie, I think I'm with you. I If you play Johnny Walker inside the distance around four to one, you're not really leaving a lot of stakes to a, to an odd fight. The, the thing I wanted to run by you is my model has this fight 55.5% to see the entire distance. Now (laughs) I, I still am working on an adjustment for five rounds. So that's really more so based on the historical finishing rates of three round fights, but it likes a little bit of length, which is weird, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny you bring that up because Based on how juicy his money line is, it's almost, it almost makes you rethink and take in the, the finishing equity. Yeah. And honestly, if Johnny Walker is more exciting, does more things, lands more damage in the fight, and it does big go five advantage. rounds,
0: big reach advantage. You know, he had Anthony Smith in the torture chamber.
1: Johnny Walker by decision plus, oh. plus a thousand.
0: <laughs> Ten to one.
1: <laughs>
0: Ten to one. Jake Jake in chat says he likes Johnny Walker by decision. Takedown defense isn't very good, but I don't think he gets finished on the ground. Takedown defense isn't very good. It's fifty seven percent striking defense isn't very good. Forty five percent. Like it, it's it's going to be one of these fights where if Magomed dominates for five rounds, we're going to be like, oh my god, why didn't we see that coming? Like he's he's clearly the better, more technical guy. But the thing that Walker does is he has these explosive moments. And, and by the way, he showed pretty improved takedown defense against Paul Craig was able to keep his feet and actually knock him out from one foot. If you recall that, <laughs> the sledgehammers, yeah, the sledgehammer, the and, hammer like, fist. that's the type of variance that, A guy like Johnny Walker should never. It's almost like if I ever get Ryan Span at four to one, like as a plus 400 dog, like Ryan Span's just big and he's powerful and he's got submission skills. Like, I'll take my chances against anyone in this poor division with that. Like, I would take Span at four to one against Ankolaev. Like, Magomed just doesn't quite separate, he doesn't master that control. Remember that close fight he had with Tiago Santos? It's just it feels just like frustrating. It's like, you want to see more, you want to see him take that leap. Everyone is saying this guy's going to be a future champion because he's from Dagestan. He's technically in the, all the right places, but he just doesn't do a lot out there. And like a guy like Johnny Walker is a very dangerous opponent for him.
1: I'm with you, bro. Yeah. I hate Johnny- to say it, but like, I, I hate how you said Magomed could just come out, win a five round decision. Cause my gut tells me that's, what's going to end up happening. But yeah, I can't not bet Johnny Walker here. I just can't. He's his odds are too good. If it's it's one of those things where like if it's a trap, then take the money. What's what ankle? I have. What
0: ankle I have by decision? And then my second question is: Would you want to be sweating a full unit on that for whatever it pays? Because it's going it to be a sweat much. for a while. Yeah,
1: twenty-five minutes of sweating a decision with Johnny Walker in there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um have by decision. Holy shit. Take What's a guess.
0: Pay? Uh 350.
1: You're not gonna believe this fucking number.
0: What's have by decision, pay? Plus 750. Whoa, dude. And so Walker by decision is ten to one, so the entire fight to go the d- distance is is probably pretty long as well, correct?
1: Plus five fifty.
0: Oh, okay. I mean, then I don't care who wins. I, I, the thing that we do then have to go circle back and wonder, Johnny Walker, no five round experience, barely any three round experience. Like, do we trust him to not die out in the fourth and fifth round? Right. I I think it's, I think it's quite, and like, I could see Walker end up actually taking a point fight in this just because of his reach. Like, jo- we saw how measured Johnny was against the Anthony Thiago Smith Panther. fight. The Anthony Smith fight. The Anthony Smith fight where he was just willing to be patient um at at distance. I I there are just a lot of good things in this. I have no idea. Ankle I have closed at minus 350 on FanDuel before their first fight. I have no idea why it's so much bigger. I don't know what anybody saw that makes them feel like it should be this much larger. Like that control time really didn't amount to anything for have in the first fight. I, I felt like Johnny was on his way up back to his feet before he got kneed in the face. So, right,
1: I, I agree. Who knows
0: where the fight goes from there? In general, this is a guy I think is a good athlete. We've heard Johnny talk before about um, he really feels like he cleared his deep, like he he had substance abuse issues with marijuana. Feels like he's beyond that now, and he's kind of has turned a corner since submitting. QT Laba had the good fight against uh, Anthony Smith. Like, I feel like uh, he's also people, good. Right? He's since good.
1: since getting finished by Jamal Hill.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's sweet dreams you know I, I think Jamal Hill might put out well we don't know how he looks post to Achilles but th- the old version of Jamal Hill might have put out have too like that guy mm-hmm. was one of one as a striker at light heavyweight last time we saw him so um yeah yeah I'm with Johnny you. Walker
1: I, did fight Nikita krilov back in 2020 which is right. kind of a similar. Comp almost. And that fight did go the distance over three rounds, he lost unanimous decision.
0: Yeah, I I I can't believe Ankalaev is plus seven fifty by decision. The guy is so measured that he's a decision me- machine. He's been there four of his last five fights. Like that's almost baking in Johnny Walker making a mistake or pressing the issue. Or... It's
1: it's baking that in plus the fact that there's two extra rounds,
0: yeah. I think. I do in general, uh, we got a question in chat. Do we trust Johnny's chin? I I think I trust Johnny's chin. I I don't think it's a bad chin had the Jamal Hill moment. Corey Anderson got him when he was kind of really on his first ascent, but it's like heavyweight, like knockouts in general happen Uh, ankle. I have, I I feel great about his chin in comparison, but we've seen Johnny Walker put dudes out with sledgehammers. We've seen him put dudes out. I think he put Ryan span out with elbows against the cage. Like, Johnny does not need flush clean punches to put dudes in this weight class. I, he'd be big for heavyweight with his frame. If he bulked up, I, I think if he loses, he this looks fight, shredded right now. Yeah. If he loses this fight bulking up to heavyweight, I don't know if there's going to be a single heavyweight that'll be fast enough to beat Johnny, Tom Aspinall included. Like Aspinall might have mm. the grappling upside to beat him, but like Johnny would be a problem at heavyweight if he ever decided to move up. So um i'd love to see
1: i'd love to see johnny walker versus ox Pereira.
0: Stewart in chat saying i feel good about johnny's chin now i'm not betting the fight i understand okay if i'm making a chin pick i understand if you're fading it i totally get that but interesting you Mm. and i are kind of on the same side here i I wasn't sure if i was just like taking crazy pills that i didn't really understand this betting line but you're kind of on the same page so we're starting 2024 off strong you and i are on the same page on a lot of these sides bro like, I, betting value Nikolau, probably betting value Johnny Walker. um We both like Ricky Simone by decision is, like, the favorite outcome there. um Phil Hawes, mm-hmm. if he doesn't get chin checked. Uh, I, I think we're at a pretty good spot in this card where our cards are going to end up being pretty similar on Friday.
1: Yeah, agreed. Cool. We'll build a, we'll build a parlay this week Yep. once we get some fan duel numbers. You guys look out for that. We'll drop it probably on Friday. Yeah. On hey, Twitter it, or X.
0: Yeah, we figure it works best that way. Not only do we usually get better numbers with Fatal, but it also gives Maddie and t- Maddie and I time to get in the lab, so we don't just throw some random concoction together on stream right now. But quickly, Maddie, futures market. Before we get out of here today, what yeah. was your activity in that? Because then I'm going to give you my five names and quick reasons why.
1: Yeah, so today I gave out Corey Sandhagen plus 500. I, I like that. I love the number. You know, I wouldn't touch it at three to one, two fifty. You got guys like Umar plus mm-hmm. 275. You're telling me I get Corey Sanhagen, who just destroyed Cheetah Vera. Yep. Like, I think Corey Sanhagen is next in line. I can't believe the number on plus 500. So I like that number. Mm-hmm. And then I took Manel Cop. Uh, I think it was plus 800. Um, I just like the number on both those guys. I am doing a series right now on, uh, on Instagram and TikTok. So I'm going to be dropping a a feature play for each division the next like three or four days. That is, what do you got?
0: That is sweet. So uh, my legal book that had a market here in Colorado, these are the five names that I ended up taking. So um, just quickly on your point, I don't think it's unthinkable that Bantamweight's belt changes hands three different times this year, because it is possible that Cheeto could beat Sean O'Malley. He was certainly in their first fight. I don't know how those two have evolved, but then think of all like you're talking about Corey Sanhagen, umar marab is floating out there like this belt yeah. change hands a lot of times uh, I think
1: of it this way not to interrupt you
0: yeah no god Marab
1: ahead. Plus 250 umar plus 275 why the fuck is Corey sanhagen plus 500 i have no idea i had to he's, take it
0: yeah he's a significantly better striker than both of those guys and he's really started to round out his wrestling and grappling skills too
1: so who does plus 600 i wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole
0: no, I don't even know if he's going to get a title fight. There. I, I don't think he'd get a title fight this particular year. He's probably two big no. wins away. But so I'll start in descending order as well. Men's flyweight. I took Steve Ursig at 50 to one. I love his size. Mm-hmm. I think he's got the wrestling and grappling style that translates well. I think his knockout power maybe has been a little undersold to this point. Now, I think his last performance was a little underwhelming. But when I look at Ursig and how he matches up with some of the other guys at the top of this division... Pantoja has some cardio issues. He's a little bit hittable. Ursig will have big size advantages in that theoretical matchup. Moreno, we've seen, be hittable. Nikolau is probably the one that I'm most worried about because of his defense. But at the same time, Nicolaus is 5'6. Ursig will have basically four inches on him. I just think Ursig is big. He's strong. Like he's already undefeated. He got the big win over David Dvorak i if, if I'm not expecting it to cash at 50 to one, but I would put Ursig closer to like 35 to one. So I'd have, what do you think?
1: But what do you, what do you think would have to happen for him to get the chance though? Uh,
0: probably a fight, probably a fight in February. I, he's already number 12 in the rankings. So actually let me pull up the UFC rankings so I can realistically make the path here. Um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe Pantoja, I don't know what's next for him. Maybe the Moreno rematch is next for him, but you look at Ursig, if he gets a fight, Mohamed makayev is in front of him. That would be interesting. I'm not even counting Alex Perez, uh, Perez in here. Ersig really might give Manel cop issues with his striking. And so far to this point, he's shown he can take a punch. So I um, I, I just thought that at the, by this time next year, I believe Ersig will be a top 10 guy. And that should have merited thirty-five to one to me, and his efficiency sparkling everywhere. So um, I don't really have anything negative to report with him yet. So that's that's kind of like where I was with Drykus last year, where I just I didn't have a hole in his analytical profile, and it looked like he had a reasonable ascent upward. Drikkis took a meteoric rise, like he went Darren yeah. Till to Robert Whitaker. I'm pretty sure was the was the chain of command there. You you never really know, even though Drykiss has a little bit more star power, but. Yeah. Moving up in weight, let's see what's the next featherweight, Diego Lopez, 75 to 1. I already a fan favorite. Like this dude's going to be in big fights and he's got big. I like big, that one. Yeah, big, big time knockout power. Featherweight is just difficult because Volkanovski is obviously the obstacle now. If Taporia wins the belt, probably Max Holloway gets a shot at him, I'd presume, right? If like Taporia wins in dominant fashion, Holloway would probably be next. But if Volkanovsky defends, Maybe that's more realistic where other challengers start to emerge. Lopez got that dominant win over Pat Sabatini. And like, who who is the guy at featherweight that is going to give Diego Lopez a ton of problems? Probably is able to probably is able to submit a guy more like Edson Barbosa. Ige has takedown issues. Giga is one-dimensional. Um, you know, I don't know what Cater's submission defense looks like. So like Lopez is going to be in line for these big fights. And so far, the dude has just manhandled really, really good featherweights. So what do you, what do you think about Diego? Well, Lopez, 75. I Lopez? love
1: that number. Yeah. Um, the one thing I don't like, you know, that loss against, uh, uh, Brito, oh, he lost the he Bre- lose after Brito.
0: Lopez. Oh, Evloyev. Evloev. But that was, right, short, right, that was like yeah. on a four days notice. Right. You know, right.
1: For- no, no. Well, he's got the it factor. He can, he can finish. Yep. He's exciting. And you're right. If, if, uh, if he can make an impressive finish in his upcoming, whatever his next fight is. Yeah. Then I think, you know, again, I think this has to be late in the year. Yeah. You know, if he can get like a, a December card, um, you never know. He's, he's electric, bro. I yeah. just like the number on that one. The first one's a little, I'll tell you that. I love that at 75, the one a hell of a lot more than your 50 to one pick. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. I do see flyweight a little bit more open just because Taporia and Holloway are a pretty big. I agree. Blocker.
1: But the thing I'm getting is, in so, on that with you, I'm riding.
0: Yeah, UFC is not a meritocracy. If you are a star, if you like Sean O'Malley's resume is did not deserve a title shot, but he was a star. And so, like right. Diego Lopez has a little bit of that. Here's another one I think you're gonna like. Um, I saw your boy Clint on this as well. Benoit Saint Denis at lightweight. Mm. I got that at thirty-five to one. The way he put out Matt Frivola. If he did not die in that Elijah zaleski Santos fight, I don't believe a finish is possible. And you look at how lightweight is shaping up some of the guys falling from that territory. Benil Dariush, now it'll be very, very difficult for him to get in line, and Makachev has not been super active as a champion, so... Thirty-five to one, Saint Denis. Big fight against Dustin Poirier early in the year here. If he wins that in dominant fashion, he'll be in contention to fight a Saryuki and a Gamrot, and maybe be one fight away. So I like BSD. So I let know. me
1: ask you, yeah, you got that number before the Poirier announcement? I did, bro. What's the number now? It had to have gone down because you cannot be in a better spot. Just to have the at bat. Against Dustin Poirier, if he goes out and finishes Dustin Poirier in round one or two, you are live as shit on that for the
0: for Dude. later in the year. Let's see what he is now. Okay, you ready for this? Ben is now plus four fifty. Sorry, guys the the ship the that's train left the station. Justin, bro, that's crazy. Um, but I got Holy closing line shit. value on the UFC line, so now there's no chance it hits. Um, that's just the way it goes for me. If I bro. if I get closing line value, it's done. Um, but then Holy let's take a
1: you had to be static when that fight got announced.
0: I did. I was, I'm shocked. Dustin Poirier took that fight, to be honest with you.
1: I am um, more than shocked. I'm, I'm a South Florida guy. I didn't yeah. see that coming at all.
0: Uh Oh, I said bet this twice. It's okay. It's just 0. 0.4 units instead of 0. 0.2. Oh, well, how about at middleweight, Anthony Hernandez, 20 to one dudes, cardio is oh Dude, his cardio is unbelievable. The way he has just melted and broke dudes at 185. My concern with Fluffy is the level of competition at this point, but the dude outworked and out survived and submitted Adolfo Vieira. And I think this might be the weakest weight class for a defending champion because Dreykus de Plessis, I love him. He's a physical freak, makes a lot of mistakes. We've already seen Sean Strickland lose to some of these top contenders. Izzy, no idea if he's going to be back in a while. Hernandez is in the rankings. Do, do we have a fight on the record for him yet? Anthony? Um, uh, I thought he had a banger coming up. Oh, wait. Ikram. He's got Ikram next dude. So that is my
1: God, bro. Uh,
0: That one also was after. That's right. So I, I mean, Ikram is not ranked currently, but obviously that is a top notch win. If he ends up gathering that it'll be a tough one. So we'll see. Here's what I'll
1: say about some of your futures. You're yeah. in the exact spot you need to be in as far as matchups. Yeah.
0: I, I'm very happy with how it's played out so far. And then the last one, the shortest one, I took as a mat Merzakoff, twelve to one at light heavyweight. Phenomenal striking accuracy so far. The dude absolutely plastered Dustin Jacoby, who has really just been as competitive as can be with some of these other top guys like Roundtree. Um, I, I, you know, I picked Metafield last time out, and now, you know, so so so. Um, I, I just think that Mirza Kanov is on a different level than a lot of other 205ers. Like, I think he clears Rokic. I think he clears Anthony Smith. I think he clears Jan Blahovich. Like, to me, this is the weakest, most inactive division in UFC on the men's side. Mirzakanov mm-hmm. is a guy that that Justin Jacoby win opened my eyes. I don't have a weakness on him at this point. It's funny. I thought he was kind of fraudulent coming into UFC a little bit, but I was very, very wrong, and I've corrected my ways. Not a great number there, but I think a lot of that has to do with how wide open – like heavyweight is compared to some other divisions. Yeah. So, like that. and my picks didn't start. Steve Ersig is a goaded call of 51. Ersig is the man I'm on Astro boy. I, I understand. Uh, I don't think his last performance went particularly strong for him, Uh, but you know, he got a last minute opponent in that one. Alessandro Costa stepped in on late notice. And Costa is a guy, you know, he did, he fought Almir Albazi about as close as Ursig. Ersig didn't get the finish, but was pretty dominant in that fight. So, I feel good about 50 to one. So Dude, those are my futures. You Maddie. got some,
1: you got a couple, you got two or three really live ones in my opinion. Let me I'm going to tell I, you right now, if I can get Lopez at 75 to one, I'm in
0: you. I don't think that one should have moved very much because uh, it, we haven't really got a lot of fight news. Yeah. He's still sitting there 75 to one. If anybody wants it, this is on an unnamed sports book. Um, yeah. I'm kind of just perusing the numbers as we're on streams here.
1: Where, if I wanted to put it in, in a different state, where do you yeah. think the best number is? Like, so you think the circa takes those?
0: I, I'm i just not going to comment just in case. I have no idea if okay. I should be plugging a different sports book. I, I got you. I, got I, you. I, I don't, don't know. Yeah, I don't know who I don't because
1: I don't see him on FanDuel. I'm looking unless I'm in the wrong section.
0: <laughs> Very interesting, Alex Ferrer. Two to one to defend Jamal Hill. Three to one Ankelia. Four, four, four and a half to one. That's about standard. I think the worst, the worst number on the board to me could be Aspinall at plus one seventy five. Just because I have no idea what they're going to do with this circus with John Jones and what's going on there. Yeah, it's just about even
1: if he even if he gets the chance. Plus one seventy five doesn't even feel good.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's like, you you might be able to get plus 175 straight up against John Jones if the fight actually happens, and then you don't have to worry about all of this circus and the charades around it. Some some other numbers that I don't love, Hamza Kamayev at middleweight is is even money, plus 100. I, I What what in that last fight against Usman made you think that at least Dreykus, Bo Nichols there at five and a half to one.
1: What's um, Sean Strickland right now? Four to one. I love that
0: dude dude like I am I am as pro Sean as it gets as well but like he he is he well-rounded enough to stop these guys like Ikram like Anthony Hernandez is the grappling equivalent of what Sean does as a striker but like you know and personally I'm a little worried about Sean's mental at this point he seems kind of all over the place
1: so all right so early prediction yeah Vittori versus Allen
0: uh, Vittori, I think that's a big step up. Like, I think that's a big step up. Like, I, I, it kind of depends on if you think that the cannoneer Vittori fight was more Jared being awesome or Marvin being overrated and getting, which I think
1: away. it's Jared being awesome.
0: That's that's what I think too. And, and like, Alan, when I matched up against Craig, I was a little, he did submit him in the third round, but I was a little underwhelmed with some of the striking efficiency in that fight. Like, I, I like Brendan Allen a lot. Like, I don't, I don't like hammer the button. I gotta see what my model says as well. But um, my my initial lean there would be Marvin. What do you think about Ian Gary eleven to one at welterweight, dude?
1: You want to talk about I mean,
0: skipping the he's line? He's got the, the shot? right,
1: right. He's got that ability to skip the line for sure. Yeah. I just don't know if he if he doesn't finish enough fights, like even that Neil Magny fight. It's like how do you not get Neil Magny out of there? Yeah. But no, he has the ability of the star power or even just not even the star power, just enough people talking about him, which yeah. I guess is si- similar to the same thing.
0: One of but the not, weirder matchups for, for Leon too, right? Like the length, the stri- the striking, the different layers of striking. True. Weird matchup for Leon. Might force him into more of a wrestling-heavy game plan. So I think are it's you taking very, What's up?
1: Are you taking DDP or uh, Sean?
0: Uh, I, so we modeled that guy on a show. I, I think I showed value on Duplessis as a dog. I, I think I would bet Dreykus. Dreykus is just physically on a different plane than a lot of guys at middleweight. Like my, my fear with Sean in that fight is wouldn't, wouldn't we favor Robert Whitaker over Sean? Just I from... wouldn't anymore. Oh, okay. So so you're a little concerned about Whitaker's current form. Interesting.
1: And I think Sean Strickland's a much bigger and more physical guy than Robert Whitaker. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think going to be able to uh, to impact this physicality on Sean Strickland. Yeah, I think he's going to get pieced up on the feet.
0: Interesting. We'll, we'll talk more about that. I got to ask you because she's your girl, Tatiana Suarez. Plus one forty in the strawweight market over Waylay minus minus one twenty five. I yeah. both of those numbers feel jacked up compared to. I I mean I guess They're, the next closest. I do think
1: it's one. a two person race though. What about Loopy?
0: What about Loopy at fifteen to one? I can't get there on her.
1: She's good, but I think those two are on another level.
0: Yeah. You look at some of the... I th- main- I,
1: I've I been so high on Tatiana Suarez. I do think Wei Li is the toughest matchup she could face, though.
0: Yeah, especially with how much she's shown growth in that wrestling area from the first couple of Rose fights. Like, she dominated Lamos there. Um Right. Flyweight's kind of open. Grasso's plus 150, Blanchfield plus 210, Fioro plus 300, Valentina plus 350. You have to assume Valentina is getting the rematch soonest. So plus 350 yeah. is interesting. Wele, interestingly, in there for a double champ thing at plus 350. That is peculiar. Yeah, 100%. So I, I don't think there are any other names in this market worth... Wow. I might add one as we sit here. Mayra Bueno Silva, 4-1 to one at women's bantamweight. Who who's beating Myra Buena Silva out of that crop of contenders? You take in Juliana Pena, you take in Vieira, right, right. and it's not like there's like a rising star. Oh my God, this yeah. name list is so this. <laughs> they've got Jamie Lynn Horth posted on this board. That's how bad this board is at women's bantamweight, bro. I think I'm gonna. So I'm adding a sixth. I'm adding a sixth future for the record. I'm gonna add Meyer Buena Silva four to one, probably about a half unit. So um, I like it. I'll add that just because I I I don't see anyone else on there that I think would even come close. That's maybe Kayla. Well, Kayla Harrison probably can't make 35 even if she somehow made it to UFC. So right. Who knows? So a little bit of futures fun, Maddie. I'm gonna look forward to if you have any of those plays coming out in following days. We'll I'll follow those with with Hawking years and probably follow you. Cause Maddie is pretty darn good. The The thing that I will get these long shots, it comes from Maddie sees these guys coming pretty far away. Like he's got a good idea of ascending stocks. We were both on Lopez pretty early. Like those type of bets that we look at, I, I think is where we as a podcast shine. So it's a, it's a fun market. I want to talk about it, but we've got UFC Vegas 84 in the till. We got the futures market in the till. We will be back Next week, I, I think it's a live card. Let me double check our schedule here. I'm kind of dusting off the rust, and Maddie and I are both looking. Oh, yeah, we got uh we've got Strickland DuPlessis next week. So it's kind of interesting that I saw Sean at a bonfire on social media, or maybe it was a shooting range. I I, I didn't know it's kind of interesting a week <laughs> from the fight, but UFC 297 next week, Strickland. <laughs> we will break it all down. So we'll have a card. Hopefully, we're in agreement. We keep the good vibes going. Have a great weekend. Best of luck with all you guys, bets. You can follow him at Betts with two S on, on X on YouTube, on Facebook. I'm at AceWame3, and you can read my stuff over on FanDuel uh, Research. Research.FanDuel.com slash UFC. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Looking forward to a great 2024 with you. Until next time, take care.
1: Yes, sir. Let's hit him this weekend, bro.
0: Yes, sir. Thanks,
1: everybody.